0: Hey folks, welcome to episode 236 of the FLW Bass Fishing Podcast in Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White, and I'm joined, as always, from Hopkins, Minnesota, by the one and only Kyle Wood. Yes, sir. Kyle, I uh, am happy to say I am in Benton and that next week I will not be because I'll be recording <laughs> from uh, the Potomac River. So don't worry, folks. I am going to keep mixing up my locations.
1: You got your fill of heat uh, at the cup, and a little bit you're back in Kentucky, and now you're ready to, well, it could actually yeah, be Yeah, really to hot famously the Potomac, cool
0: Potomac River in August. <laughs> 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 Every time when you think of someplace
1: that's cool, yeah. you're like, Yep, yeah,
0: you know what, the Potomac in August is where you want to be.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good point.
0: Um, but we will go there, and there will be fish caught. But for now, we got an FLW cup to talk about because we have a new champ. We had a cup. It was a blast overall, pretty much. And uh, I guess we'll probably get right to that. What do you say?
1: Uh, might as well, right?
0: All right. Well, in that case, here is you and Brian Thrift, and then we'll be back to talk cup.
1: All right. Joining us this week on the podcast is the 2019 FLW Cup champion, finally, <laughs> is Mr. Brian Thrift. Thank you very much for taking time out, man. Oh, yeah. I'm
2: glad to have the opportunity to do it because that means we've done good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, I mean, uh, like I said, congratulations. Um, it, we Everyone knew it was a matter of time. That's no, uh, you know... Uh, it didn't slide under the radar to anyone. Everyone kind of knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of time of when. Um, I guess first thing, you know, we're several days removed from you winning the cup. Uh, Has your phone exploded or stopped working yet from ringing so much?
2: (laughs) I was a little worried about it, but you know, it's surviving. It's it's been fun. You know, it's, it's been good.
1: I assume you can't be too far out of a, reach of a cell phone charger or like a wall outlet or an outlet in a vehicle or something to keep that thing
2: juiced up right yeah that's what i told my wife <laughs> yesterday i was like i've charged my phone three times today <laughs> well that's definitely after after this calms down after about a week i don't think i'm gonna answer my phone for a week and two week or two
1: yeah yeah if i was you i would take a little time <laughs> off i think you you deserve it um well i guess uh obviously for the folks listening the cup was on Lake Hamilton. Um, you kind of you wound up kind of running away with it. Uh, you know, you won by over five pounds. Uh, though the tournament did kind of play out, at least in my mind, sort of how I thought it would, in that it would be tough. You know, like a key bite a day would uh, really help separate you. Like your first day um, really kind of helped lay the groundwork. Um, but if we rewind a little bit before we get too much into the tournament, uh, I did kind of want to mention that uh, I rode around with you in practice. I got to spend day two of practice with you. And um, yeah. it, it was it was just cool to see, you know, how you kind of just tackled things. Because you told me uh, when I got in the boat with you that you, you'd never been to Hamilton. You never stopped there after Wachita last year or anything. That was just kind of your second day on the water ever on the fishery, right? Right. And uh, you just kind of – I mean, people – make it seem maybe sometimes like a bigger deal, but really watching you, it did seem real fluid. Like you weren't too locked in on anything certain. You were kind of running around here, check some stuff there. Um, is that just kind of how it always is in a, in a cup practice or even just a regular tournament practice for you?
2: Um, That's kind of how I approach every practice. Like I want to look at everything. I don't, I don't want to get out there and have any surprises. Like you, I want to have, I wanna know about every single pattern that's going on, like what what's the viable patterns to win. Sure. And um just a typical August event um anywhere in the south, you you've really only got three or four options as far as winning patterns. I mean you've got shallow fish up and brim, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, current fish like up in the river, and then you've got brush pile fish school and schooling fish, and that's really the the only four ways that can probably get a win that time of year. And I just kind of, I went into the event with that mind frame and, you know, that's kind of what I focused my whole practice on.
1: You know, the, the interesting thing to me um, is like, you know, in a, in a regular tournament, when I've ridden around with guys that have done well, like, you know, you'll maybe you get lucky enough to be in the boat when they kind of stumble on something, but you know, like you fish shallow, you know, you were mentioning to me, you didn't see a whole lot of bluegill activity. You grafted some brush, you fish some brush. And like, I mean, other than, you know, a handful of fish, it wasn't like it blew away. How hard is it to, to take days like that on the water and practice or those, I don't know, whatever it was, seven, eight hours I rode with you. Um, like, to me, it didn't seem like anything too promising. But, you know, is it harder to build off of that in situations where,
2: you know, like, two pounders are a good one um and that to me is the biggest part of it is you've got to you've got to put yourself in the mind frame of august you don't have to catch every fish in the lake you've just got to make five of them bite and if you can i knew going into hamilton you know typically if you can figure out how to catch two pounders and then get lucky and catch a good one or two every day you're ahead of the game right there so that's why i spent so much time just fishing you know just looking at really everything hamilton had to offer because it's not like you're going to find a group of fish in august either you're a lot of times you're fishing for onesies and twosies like if you pull up on a brush pile and get two bites that's you know pretty good so it's just kind of finding enough stuff to throw at even if you don't get bit on it in practice it's still an area that there's a bath somewhere and you might hit it 10 times throughout the three-day event, the 10th time you fish it to catch a good one. Uh,
1: The final kind of thing I want to take from practice is, um, like I said, I rode with you on day two. On the following two days of practice, did you go look up the river, and what was your takeaway from the river?
2: Um, I went up there a little ways the third day. I never went above the last bridge, though.
1: Oh, okay, okay. And, uh, so never to where it was, got, um, like, super clear and super cold.
2: No, I never went up there, and that was, that's just me, because I dislike fishing rivers. Every time I try to fish a river, <laughs> that's, it bites That's what I was going to bring up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like it at all, and uh, because it all, especially in a multi-day event, is there's two of the three days they're going to burn you. Like, the yeah. one day they bite, yeah, you could have a miracle day, but the next two days they're going to burn you. And I just, I've always avoid rivers if there's any other viable option.
1: Well, uh, let's, let's move on to the, to the tournament on the, on day one, you weighed 15, three. And, um, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't there to, to watch you, but from paying attention to it on, um, live and all that, I mean, it was probably 11 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, man, like, it doesn't show thrift as much and i'm not saying uh, i was thinking you were sandbagging or nothing but i started thinking like wow is this is this how this whole thing's gonna play out but as it turns out you kind of got on them pretty good in the last little bit of the day right
2: yeah i mean i probably had a little more than i probably had 10 and a half or 11 pounds and at midday on the first day and i I had one little area that uh, I'd actually started on it the first morning. I never got a bite, and when I got in there in practice, there was a lot of shad around, and it was in the afternoon when I found it in practice. So I was thinking, I'm just—I need to go back in there in the afternoon on the first day and see if maybe they're biting then. So I wheeled in there about two o'clock and pretty much caught everything I had and caught fifteen pounds in about forty-five minutes and <laughs> left them biting. Like my last two casts was a two and a half and a three and a half and the two and a half didn't help me. And I was like, you know, we need to leave and try to save these for the next two days. And, you know, it it got tougher the next two days, but I had the confidence in that area that if I went back there and spent enough time, I would get three or four opportunities at, you know, better than average fish, you know, two plus pounders. And it, it seemed like at Hamilton, you know, anything over two pounds was a, was a pretty good fish. I mean, if you could average 10 pounds a day, you had a very good tournament oh, and uh, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I did. Like the, I think the second day I did the same thing. I wheeled in there about one o'clock and caught everything I had caught 12 and a half pounds. And then the third day I caught that limit schooling, which that gave me a lot of confidence to slow down and fish. I'm like, man, I'm gonna go run brush for about four hours. Mhm hopefully get one good one and then go back in my little place and spend the rest of the day and hopefully catch a couple good ones and win this thing and I you know, I ran brush for like four hours and never got a bite. Not the first bite. And that's when it it kinda dawned on me then that, you know, some these people are bite day They're just they're not biting. So I ran back uh, to my little place in Hot Springs Creek the the third day about twelve thirty and stayed in there for three hours never cranked the motor caught my three biggest fish
1: (laughs) that's uh it's cool to see kind of how it evolved through the event like even you're saying like on the final day you know like you had that limit real quick and you're thinking like here we go like we're off to the races and then you kind of go through that period of like well maybe they're just not chewing like is this going to be it but you make that adjustment to go back grind it out um on the first two days Was there, uh, like, was there a rotation you could get in? You know, like, we hear that a lot on offshore tournaments. Guys will talk about, like, I just had to get my timing down. Um, Did that play in at all over the course of the first two days?
2: Um, The first day, it seemed like I was in a really good rotation on the brush. Like, I'd never really seen anybody on the stuff I wanted to fish. And then the the second day, like, after the first hour, I felt like I was fishing behind somebody the rest, all day long. And it was, it was kind of, I don't know if it was just a a product of the, everybody's, just the pressure taking a toll on the lake, or if I truly were fishing behind people the all day, but you know, it was definitely a lot slower and they just didn't seem as quick to bite. Okay.
1: You know, it's interesting that you say, uh, you know, like on the final day you were able to catch schoolers early and then kind of like focus on things and then upgrade late in the day. So that's really, you know, day one, day two, day three that you had upgrades. Was there kind of like a, a timing thing you could get in throughout this event to, to know you were going to get bit or is that just kind of the way it worked out?
2: Um, That's just kind of the way it worked out, you know. Uh, the, the Actually, the, my little place back in Hot Spring Creek, you know, it. It saved my butt the second, third day. I mean, the second day I rolled in there at the one o'clock with two little keepers and ended up catching twelve and a half pounds You know, I just, it was nice to have a home like that where I knew yeah. if I needed to get a bite and I went in there and spent enough time, I could get that bite. Sure, and that's it was it was wow. kind of it was nice to have that in a cup. I don't know that I've ever fished a cup where I had you know, two or three patterns I could run. And then I had an area where I could go and camp and, and get spikes need me.
1: Yeah, that does seem like it'd be a a really good uh, bonus for an event Uh, because you're right. Like uh, even talking to you riding around at practice, like you and I both kind of agreed that you'd need to just run whether it was shallow or deep. Like you just have to run a lot of spots and probably new stuff every day or, recycle some spots right. that you didn't get bit on so was that something you found in in hot springs creek was that something you found in practice or did you dial that in during the event
2: um i kind of dialed it in during the event like i i thought when i went in there and practice i caught uh one or two little fish but there were a lot of shad in the area and i was Aww. thinking you know this is somewhere that maybe there's a a concentration of fish. If I get in here and fish around, maybe you can find them. I never did spend a lot of time back there. And the first day of the event, when I rolled back there, like as soon as I set the boat down, like a, a gang of two-pounders came up schooling, and I <laughs> caught like a couple, two, three-pounders real quick, and I was like, oh, man, there's way more fish back here than I once thought."
1: Yeah. Dang. Sometimes uh, I I take a little luck when fishing, you know, I mean, like you knew it was a good area, but gosh, to get a you know, something like that, where you set the boat down, they come up school and like, yes, please. Yeah. Uh, What about the other question I really had was throughout the event, like how many stops were you making a day? Because, you know, we used to hype up that, you know, Brian thrifts this guy that runs and I've seen you in numerous cups uh, and even you know, like, I think of Ufala where you're running, like, 80 brush piles a day or whatever. I mean, it's just stop after stop after stop. Was that how Hamilton was, or was it a little more methodical and planned out?
2: Um, no, I still use that same approach, and then the only difference was I had that hold, like I was talking earlier, where I could okay. go and camp. But, you know, for half of the day, I would spend running, you know, brush pile to brush pile or shallow stretch of bank to shallow stretch of bank just to try to pick off any fish that it maybe set up overnight, try to get the first shot at them. I mean, that's that's a big thing in August is get the first shot at a brush pile or first shot at a stretch of bank. Because in brush in the summer, you've got to use that element of surprise. I mean, once those fish know you're there, it's a lot harder to get a bite. That's why you usually get bit at the first four or five casts because you've still got that element of surprise. Right, right.
1: Well, uh, I mean, heck, man, you, you executed it flawlessly. Now, tell me, on the final day, um, you wound up weighing in uh, ten thirteen. 13 um, But what was it like just even, like, when you pulled back into the Bank OZK arena uh, and, like, were loading your fish up? Tell me about that whole, did you black out? Like, do you even remember going into the arena?
2: Oh, yeah, vividly. I mean, there were a lot. Of- I guess they had watched the live feed and the live leaderboard. Everybody was telling me, oh, I think you got it. And I, I refused to believe them. Right. Like right. I was just yeah. <laughs> nervous. Like I'm not going to believe them until they had me the trophy. And then uh, I think it hit me once Kyle weighed in and I knew he only had seven and a half or eight pounds, whatever he had. Uh, I, that's when it hit me. <laughs> that, uh,
1: I mean, uh, watching the winning moment, is super cool and like I said, I think the whole fishing world was kinda like, you know, finally good for Brian. Like we we knew it was gonna <laughs> happen. Like, thank goodness, uh, you pulled it off. The other interesting thing though, aside from you winning your first cup, uh, but you mentioned Kyle Walters uh the two thousand eighteen Coast FLW series champion. Uh you guys were rooming together um in practice, so you guys are like, you know, pretty good buds. What yeah. was it like Going in the final day with a lead on him, like a pound and a half lead or whatever it was.
2: Yeah, me and Kyle have been buddies for a long time, and uh, anytime we're fishing a tournament with each other, I mean, we always try to stay together. And this, it's, it's just we've been friends for a while. <laughs> he, uh,
1: first of all, is an extremely large man, like very tall. Uh, He's really, really tall. <laughs> it's really intimidating to kind of talk to him because, like. You know, you and I—we gotta look up <laughs> to like speak to him, which
2: it uh, <laughs> doesn't happen all that often in the fishing world. You know? Yeah, it doesn't. But you know, Kyle's a—he's a great fisherman. I mean, if you look at what he's accomplished, is no no more than what he fishes. I mean, he's never fished a tour, but he—you know—he's won BFL regionals. He's mm-hmm. won the Coastal Championship. Almost won the. FL Cup. Uh, almost. Uh was there
1: a good bit of like smack talk going on throughout the week uh of the cup?
2: No, not really. I mean there was a couple times Kyle would say, like especially that night after the second day when he was like a pound and a half back, he'd say, i he'd say, I'm coming for you tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> I mean just just a little friendly jabs here and there. Sure, sure. <laughs> nothing
1: nothing too. Uh, over the top. Well, that's what I would expect from a couple buddies. You know, you can't
2: you can't let your yeah, buddy yeah, try to win the yeah. cup
1: ahead of you and uh, not at least, you know, throw a little shade at him. Right, exactly. Um, you know, we mentioned too, like, you, you didn't really, it didn't really set in that you won until, you know, it was kind of announced on stage and confetti's fallen. But the other thing I think that's really cool about winning the cup, um, or what I would imagine about winning the cup is that uh, most of the time the guy's family's there. You know, like you had your, your sons there, you had Wylan Cooper, uh, your wife Allison was there. What was it like when they came running up on stage, um, you know, once you knew you were FLW Cup champion?
2: No, oh, that was the best feeling in the world. You know, that was the, the first thing I wanted to do was, like, as soon as those scales – that I had more than whatever I had to have, I wanted to run down to the stand, <laughs> grab Allie and the boys, and give them a big hug. You know, it's it's that's, to me, that's the best thing. I mean, being able to celebrate with with them, you know, is is everything.
1: Is it? Uh, I mean, you you've obviously won a lot of stuff throughout your FLW career. You've won titles where uh, you know, like maybe family and friends weren't there. Is it a different feeling to win? That may be kind of a weird question, but is it a different feeling like when the loved ones you have in your life aren't around for this special moment or a special moment?
2: Oh, it it definitely is. You know, it doesn't really feel complete until you get to celebrate with your family. You know, I mean, I've won a couple tour events. You know, while the boys were in school that they couldn't make it to, and you know, it's it feels good up on stage, but it always feels like something's missing. You know. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, did you do anything
1: special the night when you won? Did you, did you, you know, go buy some super expensive steak or,
2: or celebrate in any way? (laughs) Yeah, we just, we, we had, there was like 20 of us that were wanting to go out and eat. We couldn't find a restaurant that had anything less than an hour and a half, two hour wait. So we ended (laughs) up just going and buying some T-bone steaks and grilling out and just having a good time at the house, just hanging out.
1: Oh, cool. That's See, I feel like that's the way to do it. You know, I think uh, a lot of people, you know, maybe go going out to dinner would be cool, but I think it'd be all right being back
2: at the house with friends and family. and. Uh, yeah, that's, to me, I enjoyed that more than I would have going out to a dinner because I know they'd make me pay. <laughs> I mean, fair point. I'd definitely be looking at you
1: like, wow. I mean, I know how much you just won. I think you got this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it. As soon as the waitress come back to the table yeah put it on one check <laughs> 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 oh man uh well i guess you know other than uh cup stuff which i think we've uh if if folks listening if you want to know more about how brian caught him or, or what he caught him on uh plenty of stuff on flwfishing.com to go look at you can look at the top 10 baits article you can read brian's winning story you can actually get a pretty good gauge of it because you won wire to wire. So we have a story uh, from you every night, um, which is kind of a good yep. walk through how that went down. Uh, I guess maybe just on your end, Brian, is there anything before I ask you you know, a final question or two and let you get rolling, but is there anything cup wise, like looking back um, a bait, a decision you had, anything like that that you want the people listening to know or, or feel is something
2: they would appreciate? Um, I think the the biggest thing is just having the versatility and the mind frame to be able to have 20 rods on the deck and catch fish on every single one of them. Because to me, that's, that's what summertime, August junk fishing is all about. I mean, there's never really one pattern that seems to outshine another. I mean, you've got to catch one on the bank on this top water, go somewhere else and catch one on this bait. I mean, catch one on six or seven different baits out of brush and I think to me that was the biggest thing that helped me there was having the confidence to to throw a lot of different baits and instead of trying to be a one trick pony because there were several times, you know, I'd pull up to a brush pile and <coughs> excuse me, I would fire that D'Amickey underspin over the top of it and not get a bite, run a crankbait through it, not get a bite and pick up a Texas rig and get a bite or you know, you just roll through five or six different baits on each brush pile and it seems like every fish was different. They were each set up different, whether they were suspended over top of the brush or sitting around the brush or sitting on the bottom of the brush, down on sure. the bottom. So you've gotta you've gotta be confident to cycle through a lot of different baits. And I think that's one thing that that really helped me because it seemed like at the first day of the tournament they were sitting on top of the brush a little better and around the brush so I could catch them on that to make you understand with the armor shad and the crankbait mm-hmm. a little better versus as the event progressed in the brush, it seemed like they wanted to bait down on the bottom, you know, kind of sitting still closer to the bottom at the base of the brush pile.
1: Interesting. I think it's a good point too because I think there's a lot of people, you know, whether you're like a PFL angler or you just fish like club stuff around home, there's a lot of people... And I know a lot of them around here in Minnesota that are, you know, oh, that's a jig guy. That's a frog guy. You know, like people get kind of locked in on stuff and you do it because it works. But there are times of the year where if you have that confidence to expand your, uh, you know, fishing library and really throw, you know, everything that could play in a situation like you're saying with brush, it can get you a bite. It may be the seventh thing you've thrown, thrown at the brush pile, but you finally get a bite. And then in this situation, you know, that bite could help lead you to $300,000. Exactly.
2: And, and those, especially on a small lake like that is everybody's running a lot of the same stuff. So just casting from a different direction or throwing a little bit different bait or a little bit different retrieve, you can kind of get an extra bite or two a day just by doing that. Hmm. I can dig that, man. Well,
1: I think uh, moving on from some cup stuff, there's just a couple of things I want to throw at you. First and foremost, uh, will you be fishing the Northern Division Coast event on the Potomac next week?
2: I sure will. I'm going to try to leave Sunday after church if I get everything ready. If not, I'm going to head out there Monday and practice a day or so and see what we can do. I like it. Uh,
1: I guess other than um, Costas, Coast coastal championship probably this fall what else uh do you have planned uh are you and the family going to try to do anything i know school's getting back in and anything but do you guys have anything planned since you won the cup
2: um no we didn't we hadn't made any plans yet we're just kind of taking it day by day and just kind of roll with the flow the wiley starts back to school this coming wednesday and I'm sure we'll get into something. We'll have something to do because his birthday's coming up in October, and oh, we'll okay. probably have him a pretty good little birthday gathering.
1: Oh, right on, right on. Well, uh, I think um, the other thing I kind of wanted to know about Brian Thrift uh, in this off season, like, well, not really off season, I guess, because, like I said, there's other stuff rolling on. But uh, you know, you and I talked again when we were riding around. In practice together but gosh dang man that region of the country you're from just grows professional anglers uh you're obviously from shelby north carolina but like i mean how many guys how many pro anglers did we come up with that live in a very close proximity i mean it's like 10 isn't it 10 or 12
2: yeah there's a lot right there around you know 40 or 50 miles from where i live at least 10 or 12 and yeah, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, we've pretty much got everything to offer except for grass fishing. So, I think that's one thing that kind of helps us out. Yeah, I can believe that. Do
1: you guys have, like, your own little, like, uh, uh, club or anything? you guys get together and, like, have little powwows once a month or anything like that? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we just kind of all hang out whenever we get a chance
2: to. But uh, that, that's about it.
1: Okay, all right. So there's no cool like little secret society of
2: pro anglers in the <laughs> Not Carolinas that, that, it.
1: that, or at least that Not you can't talk about it, anyway.
2: Yeah, I mean everybody doesn't need to know everything. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> uh,
1: well, uh, I know you're a busy man, Brian. Uh, so I'm going to let you get going. But before I do, uh, for the folks listening, uh, where can they follow you along on you know social media and anything else you got going on that you want the people to know about?
2: Um, the the best way to follow along, as you know, on Instagram or Facebook is uh, at Brian Thrift Fishing. And then also uh, me and a fellow professional fisherman, Matt Ayer, have got a a show we try to do every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern called Let's Talk Fish. And you can follow along that at a Let's Talk Fish um, Facebook page. But that's that's something we kind of do. We do all our tournament recaps on and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely instagram and facebook at brian three fishing is the best way to keep track and see how things are going in the life of a professional fisherman
1: i will say that let's talk fish uh because you guys uh, live in a target rich environment for pro anglers you have a lot of the guys that live around there um you know will like be in studio i guess with you guys uh you guys do a lot of cool giveaways too so folks if you're listening and you haven't uh listened to slash watched let's talk fish uh i highly recommend it because there's a lot of good juice that gets thrown around
2: on there yeah it's a it's a good show and we kind of gear it like a, a lot of professional anglers are doing shows now and we didn't want to just be another show just like everyone else so we we try to gear it to be a little more hands-on one-on-one you know interacting with the fans answering questions and mm-hmm. things like that then uh it seems like it's been very well received i mean we try to give out as much info as we can and answer each question we can it's just we have fun with it yeah definitely
1: definitely i think it's a it's a good listen uh so with that brian congrats once again um hopefully i'll have a well i, I mean not that i needed an excuse to come bug you uh in north carolina but i think this kind of solidifies the fact that i should come hang out for a few days at some point this fall and uh maybe cut your yeah. bass, maybe hang out at the house just mm-hmm. See what's going on. Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, uh, I'm gonna <laughs> let you get rolling, man. Congrats again, and thank you for taking uh, a handful of time out of your day to to chat with us. Uh, it's an honor, and uh, keep crushing life. Keep on rolling.
2: We're gonna try. We're gonna <laughs> All
0: righty, so Kyle, uh, we just heard you and Brian Thrift break this thing down. Obviously, uh, Brian Thrift won. Uh, which was pretty much phenomenal the rest of the top 10 was super interesting i would say uh, kyle walters finished second he pretty much fished brush the whole time dakota ebear finished third he fished up the river which was like really where i was interested in things uh mm-hmm. jeremy lawyer did jeremy lawyer things scott martin went up the river too um and we kind of had like a, a mix beyond that um Austin Felix led the Northern Contingent, uh, which actually did really well in this tournament. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, but anyhow, so Kyle, you didn't get to, you weren't there. Uh, so is there anything either that you want to know or like that you got to see from afar that you want to talk about or what's your what's your stand on this?
1: Yeah, I guess... Uh... For those that are probably wondering, uh, I wasn't at the cup. I had to leave uh, basically the day the cup started. Uh, unfortunately, my grandpa passed away, so I had to boogie back to Iowa, um, attend the ceremonies, hang out with grandma and family, and uh, so that was all good. But I, while I was sitting at the airport Friday, I got to watch live, which, as you know, Jody, uh, we never get to watch live really when it's live. Yeah, uh, and I got to watch like two hours of it and first when I saw Joel Willard was catching him I was like oh baby here we go uh then I was kind of wondering why we didn't have a camera on him uh but that's maybe for a separate discussion uh down the road like after a while you know then I was kind of like hey shouldn't we be like talking about this guy who's like doing stuff uh but I digress uh it it seemed like obviously it was tough which I don't think really surprised any of us. It may have seemed, I guess, in my eyes, when I'm looking back at the weights, like, especially now, maybe even tougher than I thought it would be. Like, uh, across the top 10, anyway.
0: Yeah, like, honestly, I knew everyone was kind of like. I kind of get used to guys sandbagging, right? And so I kind of thought that. Even though a lot of people were saying like thirty six or thirty seven pounds a win, I was kind of figuring that actually it might be more like forty. You know, yeah, it might be a little bit easier to catch a bag in the teens.
1: Um,
0: and that yeah, turned I out not like to be the case. Place
1: would be, I thought ten pounds a day might have like been around tenth place, and then it would be really tight, you know, from first to tenth. But uh, like Osborne was tenth; he had twenty two six. Yeah. Uh, so substantially tougher than than i would have expected
0: yeah well i mean Strelick and willard both had uh they actually one two three four five guys who weighed 20 and change uh and they finished 11 through sixteenth, which is 10 pounds a day
1: yeah yeah
0: um but yeah i really thought like that 12 pound bag might be a lot easier to come by i guess
1: yeah for sure
0: um But, no, it was obviously super tough. Uh, Actual numbers of fish weren't too bad. Um, It seemed like, like, if you really wanted to try, you could catch a spot. You could, you know, uh, most people, most everyone filled their limits. uh, Or had at least an opportunity to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like Wachita last year where, like, actual keepers were at a premium. But a lot of times when guys caught keepers, they were really small. Yeah, um, yeah. Of course, Brian Thrift was catching, like, actually quite a few keepers each day, which is a thing that really nobody replicated with any consistency. Um, and uh, that's why he won. And honestly, I think I said this earlier, but, like, when I, did, when I went and did day five with him, like, we caught more keepers. I'm pretty sure we caught a limit. You know? Hang. If we had, if this had been... A four-day tournament, probably even a five-day tournament, Brian Thrift still wins. You know, he probably expands his lead every day. Yeah, yeah. He he had a good thing going. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of tough. Uh, and the fact that the river was so interesting and had so many big fish in it, like I remember you and I talked about it in practice, so like, this is special. Uh, yeah. But it also it had some drawbacks, and one was that, like, the pressure, I think, got to those fish more. Another issue was that on the weekend, when folks would run up the river, uh, one of the sides of the river is, like, sort of sand and grass and stuff, and anyway, a natural bank, and the other side has a lot of seawalls and stuff, and the seawall side stayed clear. The natural bank side got super muddy from, you know, just wave action. Oh, sure. In places, so, like, there was a solid band of water along the shoreline that really wasn't fishable, I don't think, uh, which is not ideal. Um, but it was it was very interesting, and I really... I don't want to say I wish that Hebert had won, because uh, I am a big Dakota Hebert fan. But also, I really wanted to see Brian Thrift win one of these eventually. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but uh, I definitely i would have loved to have seen him catch a big bag on the last day and like really bring this thing down to the wire
1: i it would have, it, it's crazy that um there was that quality of fish up there and like you know if you could have got them to bite like this thing could have been like heavily blown out you know like if those river fish bit every day yeah it definitely
0: could have been um one thing that was interesting is Brian Thrift never went up there. He never went above <laughs> yeah. the, not even in practice. There's a, there's like a last bridge before you go, before you sort of get into like the quote river section. And he talked with Shane LaHue prior to the tournament. And the only thing that Shane told him was that there's a lot of fish up the river, but you can't catch any of them. And he told me, he's like, never go up rivers in the summer. They always burn you. And, of course, he hates rivers in general, so that yep. may apply to some other people. It didn't burn John Cox when he won at Wheeler. Um, but, Brian Thrift says so, I'm not against it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so he never went up there. He never even saw all those big fish swimming around. He just mm-hmm. was like, this is where I'm going to be. I'm fishing
1: the regular lake. And yep. it worked. Yeah, and it, that's what he's, he uh, in our interview, was like, I I, I hate rivers. So I didn't even want to look at it. Yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> yeah, um, but either way, it
0: was definitely—I don't know—it was—it was a cool derby, but it was also kind of uh, slightly lame derby because you know they're not big.
1: Yeah, yeah, that does kind of uh, change the dynamic. Did you did did you ever get a vibe of because on the final day? uh again following along what little i was and like i mean i still looked at the weather and all that i thought like dude they'd get to chewing because the first day of practice was like a really good day of practice for everyone and i felt like sunday uh of the tournament like i thought we might see another like 14 15 pound bag but what was the deal you know i don't really know what the deal was And I think a lot
0: of people don't really know what the deal was. Because you remember Webster saying that, you know, you could catch them even with all the boat traffic. and yeah. yeah. Like, obviously a lot of those same brush piles and things like that were getting pretty hammered. Um, There's no doubt about that. But that was, I mean, there was also a lot of fish in those brush piles. You know, Strelik told me that basically every brush pile in the lake had fish in it. It just was really hard to get him to bite. Um and so what Thrift had was kind of unique in that he had fish that were actually moderately willing to bite. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, Webster he probably was sitting on the winning fish and just couldn't make meat. But probably everybody was sitting on the winning fish and couldn't make meat. Sure. And I don't really understand why that was. Hmm. Um now if we'd been able to use live bait I think we could have seen something different I feel like a shiner dropped down in those brush piles oh, could have done man. some damage
1: oh <laughs> uh, that would have been great did you did you bring any live bait with thrift for day five no nah, man we didn't need it
0: <laughs>
1: you had jody and thrift yeah we were just dialed in ready to go but uh yeah I did definitely... you guys catch some schooling on the on day five
0: no we no. didn't do day five until noon um, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I think the schooling bite was kind of over probably. There were some that came up busting for a second, uh, and we weren't really combobulated enough to make a cast at him with a topwater. Sure. Uh, and maybe we could have caught him with a topwater, maybe not, but definitely, you know, they were around there. We kept, uh, like, I say we. I kept basically breaking his drop shot. Uh <laughs> <laughs> which kind of held our numbers back Because we didn't really want to re-rig it um, ah. One time uh, I did something And I lost the weight And Ooh. No he caught one And then the weight came off And then another time I made a cast And just the entire thing broke off Oh good um, So if anyone wants a drop shot I got a rough zone of where there's one sitting Um, so it was not like a super ideal day five from like being ultra dialed in and crushing them I mean we caught fish and we I think explained what was going on but we definitely could have caught more fish if we'd you know been trying harder right? Right. and like retying things and stuff like that (laughs) Um, but yeah was there anything that stuck out to you uh, any pattern or anything like that that you were like oh this is interesting I, I feel like I learned something
1: um no but i i think it's like you said that the river thing was a pretty intriguing deal i think kind of the rest of it i could have seen coming you know what i mean yeah. But that river like there was like i mean it's such a small thing but like i didn't really see any swimming around when i was up there but from what you described to me and then like from what dakota said uh like dude it sounded like it would have been really hard to avoid it um during the event oh yeah my god i would
0: have got so sucked (laughs) in up there i guarantee it like i would have been like just here we go baby (laughs) oh god all in um one thing that i kind of noticed was some of the guys were fishing brush really slowly like fire your worm out and, like, just let it sit in the brush. Ugh. Yeah. But <laughs> when you watch Joel Willard do that and catch, like, a three-pounder on, like, Hamilton, you're like, hmm. Then you watch GoPro of Wade Strelick doing that and catching, like, a four-pounder, you go, hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, I wrote about that. Uh, and you'll be able to read... Folks will be able to read that. Probably will put it up Monday. Um, sure. But that was one thing that was interesting to me was that there's typically when you think about guys running brush piles, you think about how Brian Thrift runs brush piles or has Mm -hmm. historically run brush piles where he's kind of moving and grooving. Um, Or you think about like quite a few presentations, different baits, that sort of thing, kind of mixing it up. Right. Uh, Walters was doing that quite a lot where he'd make like five or six like pretty regularly paced casts. Then maybe he'd pull out a crankbait, make five or six more casts. Maybe pull out a drop shot, make five or six more, you know. And Strellick and Willard both caught some good fish, basically just soaking it in there. You know, they'd like drag it up to the top of a branch, and then instead of dragging it over the branch, they'd let it go back down to the bottom and then drag it up to the top of the branch again. Like We're talking like two minute plus casts. Um, Like when you're fishing a Kytec in 30 feet of water in the wintertime kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, that is woof.
0: Yeah, I don't think you could I mean you the only way the only way to me that you realistically could do that is really if you knew there were fish there, which they did. Mhm. And if you kind of gained some confidence that if you stuck it out long enough you could get bit and that you weren't like by being there you weren't missing other fish. Yeah. Which was key. Like there definitely you know, there was definitely kind of a vibe that you, the fish the fish the fish catches were hard to come by so if you weren't if you weren't catching fish, it wasn't necessarily like you were wasting
1: time yeah, it's not necessarily they're they're biting somewhere else uh, so yeah. you don't really have that going on you're just like I know they're down there at some point one's gonna probably eat this yeah
0: so that oh, was that seems in- brutal. It was interesting. It is definitely brutal. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess that's uh, that's about that. One thing I think it's worth calling out, and probably we need to talk to him later on, but, man, Dakota Ebert has had quite a season. He really um, has. You know, he's done really well in the Coast FW series. His rookie year on tour, he made the cup. Rookie year on tour, he finished third in the cup. Like, that's really good. And I think that's sort of worth worth mentioning. Um, I saw a comment on Facebook that basically said he was the next Brian Thrift, um, which seems a little premature because in a moment I want to talk about how good Brian Thrift is. <laughs> um, but also, like, if he turns out that he's super good, I'm all in because I like the dude. Oh, yeah. So I guess we'll see. I think we need a nickname for him though. Ooh. And I don't I don't know like Dakota Bullfighter Bear, I don't know if he'd like that. I don't know if we want to lean into that rodeo aspect or if there's something else. Also don't know that Bullfighter is like a super great nickname. It's kind of a little long. It's not real snappy. Um, you know, it's not Blade, it's not Smoke. Um but I would welcome people to have ideas about that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll definitely brainstorm a little bit.
0: Yeah. And maybe we'll get him on the pod. We'll ask him. We'll be like, hey, what do you got for nicknames? What's going on out there?
1: I think we definitely should have them on the pod.
0: Yeah. Because here's the thing we had him on after, uh, Table Rock. And, you know, we had basically like a 40 minute conversation. So I think we can probably get at least an hour on the cup. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say. Um, when you talked with uh, Brian, did you kind of like go over how good he is?
1: Um, a little bit. We we kind of just uh, banter. We we talked about his wins more on the sense of like uh, how he's won before, like with his family there and not with his family there, and that's more kind of what I want to know. But the thing that the thing with Thrift is like, I don't think Brian understands how good he is. He might not. He legit may not. Uh, but yeah, the dude is really good. So he's finished
0: no worse than third in the last three tournaments he's fished. Um, that third place finish coming on Lake Champlain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then he won on Champlain and then won on Lake Hamilton. Uh, next week in the Costa challenge, I will have the opportunity to choose Brian number one overall on a river. <laughs> uh with tides, which he notably hates, and I'm probably gonna do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean here's the thing, like if you didn't, I feel like I probably would pick him then.
0: Yeah, now like, it so- does mean passing up Brian Schmidt, so I'm gonna have to do some soul searching. Um But basically every tournament they fished against each other in recent memory, in recent days, uh Thrift has beat him, so like maybe I just roll with it. Um, yeah. but anyway so we got that like if you the, the astounding thing is his AOI consistency uh, the last three years on tour first of all this was his worst year since 2016 uh, he finished first and second in AOI in 2017 and 2018 and sixth in AOI this year poor thing. Um 19th in 2016 that was a real disaster <laughs> um <laughs> You know, twenty fifteen was like I get. I'm trying to look and see like what his best year on tour was, and twenty seventeen was up there. Uh, it honestly was probably
1: twenty seventeen. Yeah, because four top tens. Uh, I mean. Yeah, that's pretty stout. That and seventeen was nestled between some years like he didn't win a tour event that year uh, which it seems like he wins one almost every year but that's because like he won back to back in 10 and 11 then back to back in 14, 15 and then he won one in 18 yeah. so
0: and then he's won and then see I think 2017 though he might have won a Costa Uh
1: yeah um, I think uh, it seems
0: like years he doesn't win on tour he wins Costas and so this year he's just doing both uh, you know, win
1: a Costa yeah, in the Cup. Yeah, because he's like, oh, I can make more money if I win just more stuff each year. Like, yeah, oh, just everything. Makes sense. Um,
0: in fact, so he's pushed his career earnings over $3 million. He's 40, um, by the way. Jeez. So he's earned $3 million, and he's been fishing as a pro on tour since 2007. Scary. <laughs> uh, So that's what? Three million in basically thirteen, 13 years. Thirteen years. Good lord. Yeah. Um, which is pretty incredible, and some of that's split around. I guess in the Southeastern Division, he won a tournament in. Uh, let's say he won a tournament in two thousand six. So that's fifty grand there, which would definitely have a have a place in there, but roughly you know we're we're
1: when we're dealing with large numbers um it's like two hundred and thirty thousand seven hundred dollars a year
0: yeah, it's pretty good yeah uh pretty good this year obviously a big one for him um yeah
1: yeah that helps pad the stats <laughs> yeah,
0: and then i mean dude he's just so good and i The limit streak is super cool, and he's, like, started a new one now and probably going to keep that rolling and break his own one is what I expect he'll do. Um, Because, dude, you know, looking at the FLW Tour schedule next year, which we should mention uh, probably. Oh, yeah. we we got that out now. But, like, can you look at that? Can you honestly look at that schedule and think, oh, man, there's going to be one there where Thrift will have a hard time catching a limit? You can't. Like yeah, you can't. Maybe Darnell, and that should be at like a pretty good time to be there. Like, it's he's gonna catch him (laughs) Mm -hmm. because he's Brian Thrift, you know. Like this year at Seminole, when he didn't catch a limit, it not that we we all thought he was gonna win that derby, but you could also envision it happening because the fishing was pretty tough and like super hit or miss. And that's a lake where big fish are key. Yep. Um So like, man, it's uh it's pretty dang impressive stuff. And it's cool to be able to watch, you know, history, watch what I, watch a guy who I think is probably the best fisherman alive right now. Like I know that you know, I know there are a lot of arguments for who has the best career, um or well there's really not any arguments for best career it's Kevin Van Dam uh, yeah. and you can depending on sort of what you, what angle you want to argue from or like what specific goal you want to argue from you can argue for different things and I mean Thrift didn't win AOI this year uh, David Dudley did but man like he's so good and he's so good at so many things and like I'm just so happy I get to watch him <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it's uh gosh it's impressive it, it's impressive to me too like when you look at the fisheries he's won on because it's kind of a little bit of this a little bit of that um i mean you could draw a lot of similarities to you know lakes that he fishes back home or um although i guess you know other than the ones with grass but it yeah you you get like a take like a randy haynes right and you look at his wins they're or, on the or Lambert. yeah and, and outside of that you never really see him compete whereas like thrift and we still joke about like him not liking rivers i feel like he is still pretty good on a river uh and maybe even getting better which could also be the scary thing you know
0: i was thinking that the other day i don't think that I don't know that we've seen the best of Brian Thrift yet, which is a little frightening. Like, a lot of times, 40 to 50 is, like, an angler's peak. And if Brian Thrift hasn't actually peaked, honestly, that's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, right? Because, like, let's say... Let's say he's just as good as he's been the last three years... The, for the next six years like that would be another let's see it'd be like another probably three plus wins on tour like another two costa wins maybe probably at least one or two more anger of the year titles yep. and you know another like i don't know million or two million dollars or something yeah. like that in earnings I mean, that would be off the wall. Um, and, yeah, he could be getting better because look at, look at him on Champlain, right? Like, he admits he got better at Champlain. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, last year at uh St. Clair, like, nobody was like, oh, yeah, Brian Thrift, 100%, going to be competing for the win, going to just look at home fishing up north. Well, he did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we make... Uh, we, we talk about Scott Martin a lot as, like, one of the best northern anglers on tour, despite him being from down south. And, of late, Brian Thrift has been beating Scott Martin up
1: north. Yeah. Uh, and that's an achievement. Like, for sure. Like, if Thrift rolls up to the Potomac and top tens... Or uh, wins. Or wins. Like, would I be a little surprised? Sure. Because his track record on the Potomac isn't stellar. It's not perfect, yeah. But, man... If he goes up and does that, I think it really helps cue the argument we're making now that, like, oh, my gosh, the dude is, like, just getting warmed up.
0: He might be. And we got to sit and watch, right? But, man, you know, there's no reason that he couldn't go win at the Potomac. Like, we've seen him catch fish on everything. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. if you look at the Potomac, like, man, we've seen guys win there flipping a drop shot on docks we've seen Andy Morgan make I don't know how many top 10s flipping a jig I mean how many times has how many how many dollars has Brian Thrift won on a chatterbait tons of it yeah that's a really yeah. good way to catch him on the Potomac he can throw I mean there's nothing he, he no, there's nothing he, can, he can't do is what we keep mm-hmm. is what it keeps boiling down to like I guess I haven't seen him win a tournament with a drop shot in 25 feet of water but like don't count him out next year at the Detroit River, <laughs> right? Right, because it might
1: happen. So very easily could.
0: You know, man, he's just uh, he's just special to watch, and it's cool. No doubt, no doubt. Um, you want to talk about the tour schedule now that we've mentioned that? Uh, yeah.
1: Or yeah, do you we have probably, any probably other, actually any should mention that.
0: that you want here.
1: No, no, I think. Uh... I think that's that's cool. Schedule would be real solid. All right, so uh, we
0: have a kind of a mix next year. We've got some old favorites, some new favorites, and some just totally new places. Uh, we start off um, January 23rd at Sam Rayburn. Um, then February 20th at the Harris Chain. That's in Florida. Uh, March 19th on Lake Martin Uh, beginning of April on Cherokee Lake. Uh, Been there. It's, uh, Mm -hmm. that's Douglas actually. (laughs) Um, And then uh, April 23rd, so sort of end of April on Lake Hartwell. uh, Lake Dardanelle uh, May 14th, and then the uh, end of June on the Detroit River. Small time! (laughs) Whoop whoop! Um. So anyway, any uh, any thoughts on that one? Any ones Man, should, that most intrigue you?
1: It should be uh. I mean, Martin I think stands out because um, there's just not a whole lot of. Uh, I don't even know if the tour's been there.
0: I feel like we probably have because I know Bill Taylor really likes it, and yeah. the uh, Elite Series has been there a couple times in recent years. I think maybe twice. Yep. So, once I learn about what happened in those and then uh, kind of learn, uh, you know, once I learn about what happened in those and then learn about the lake a little more, like, I think it's going to be a kind of familiar place to go to, but it definitely sets up a little bit, I think, differently than some of your standard, like, heavy spotted bass fisheries or heavy largemouth fisheries. It's kind of like... Like it's definitely going to have some similarities to Hartwell, but will be there, I think, fairly different times of year in the sort of spawn and the sort of situation. And I think they also fish differently enough that it's not like you can just take one and drop it in place
1: of the other, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but that'll be cool. I mean, Fresh Blood is always kind of a fun thing, or... Um, yeah. and like Darnell will be interesting, I think.
0: Yeah, I've... I have fished on Dardanelle for one day in my life and never covered a tournament there so like I'm actually kind of looking forward to going to Dardanelle um I think that one could be neat and you know I'm down for some Great Lakes action
1: oh yeah sign me up
0: which I know St. Clair isn't really part of the Great Lakes but I'm just sort of putting it in there for uh you know safety's sake here
1: right but Uh, Erie, we may see Erie uh, play a little bit more since we're going to be a little closer to it.
0: Yeah. I I think maybe it could play a lot, actually, because I think where we're launching, uh, you're going to have to run through most of the river to get into St. Clair. Um, That can get a little rough. And that can be a little dicey. So i got to imagine that uh, a certain Pennsylvania angler (laughs) Named Matt Becker is licking his chops. Um, Also, of note, Chris Johnston weighed 24 pounds, 7 ounces. Ah. Uh, On the Thousand Islands. Or, well, St. Lawrence River. Right. Uh, In case you were curious, which we are. I was. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's see. There's somebody else. Oh, yeah. This guy there is one never mind i won't i won't dive into it right now i'll dive into it later uh and i will be uh but anyhow i'm 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 down with next year's schedule i like it uh i love that we're not going to champlain i think champlain tournaments should be banned uh i do not want people fishing my lake and i think that's great that we're going somewhere else Um, yeah take a year off and I'm down with it. I love the Harris Chain. I'm psyched to go back there.
1: Yeah, the Harris Chain is a cool uh, is a cool venue. Um,
0: one thing that's going to be interesting is so the first I guess two years ago at the Harris Chain, the actual Harris was like the deal because um, there was so much hydrilla in there and it was doing so awesome. Last this year in the Bass Open, uh, Eustace was the deal. Which, uh, was fondly referred to as Lake Useless, uh, (laughs) just three years ago. Oh, yeah. Party time. Um, so, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I don't know what's going to be going down next year, but it seems like that's a pretty dynamic fishery that you, even though I assume there's going to be quite a bit of offshore hydrilla, assuming it doesn't get killed or something, um you know i assume that'll be a pretty big pattern figuring out exactly what lake it's going down in and like where and how it's going to go down is i think pretty unique and pretty fun
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: uh and it's got good cell service and uh that's a good thing too very much so and hopefully good weather because florida (laughs) i'll be ready for in february i guarantee i'll be ready for uh some florida weather What week is the Super Bowl uh, next year? We should check. Uh,
1: I don't know. But I think uh, we usually tend to have events during the Super Bowl.
0: I feel like this is later. Super Bowl date. I feel like this is later. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is going to be one of the first years in a while that I'm not watching the Super Bowl
1: at an FLW tour event. You Um, don't get to watch the Patriots win uh, at a tour event?
0: I mean, look, I've done it twice because they beat Atlanta, and I was at a tour event, <laughs> and they uh, won last year, and I was at a tour event. So it's definitely not bad, Mojo. Um, anyhow, what's next on our docket here?
1: Um, We could talk some varsity bass.
0: Yeah, sure. So it came out. Um, I watched yep. it. You watched it. Uh, it's a pretty good show, and I would urge other people to go watch it. You can. Uh, it's with Wake Forest on Lake Gunnersville.
1: Yeah. Noah Isaacs, Isaacson.
0: Oh yeah, I wasn't gonna get into pronouncing his name.
1: I, I figured that's why you didn't bring it up. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> butcher it. Sorry, Noah. Uh, yeah, e, Isaacson.
0: I think maybe your first instinct was the way to go.
1: Well, I've thought about it too much. The point is. Uh, you should watch it because it's uh, it's pretty cool. That dang Travis can edit some stuff, man. Yeah, and man, I suppose Rob good. is like okay at filming things too. Sometimes.
0: Yeah, I mean he's okay. Um, let's see. I so currently going on right now is the FLW Canada Cup. It's on the uh, BOQ, <laughs> um, <laughs> aka the Bay of Quinte for. Folks yep. Quinte. aren't fam- who aren't familiar with that abbreviation, which I was not until you know about an hour ago. <laughs> uh, but I like it. I'm gonna use it a lot more now probably. And let's see. So anyway, the weigh-in I think is still going on right now. Um, oh yeah, it is definitely still going on right now. Um, and this is day one. Day two is tomorrow. Day three is on the weekend, and we will have. Uh, from there, I believe at least one, maybe more uh, qualifiers for the Costa FLW Series Championship this fall. Yeah. And uh, I know that uh, Cooper, uh, Gallant, and Danny McGarry, I think, uh, they weighed 18.38 pounds. And then uh, also Cal Clemson and someone... I'm not sure. Definitely, Calvo had like 22.48, which is like a mega bag on the Bay of uh, Quinte, because they're not allowed to run to the lake. And he had two big smallmouth in their bag.
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's a good sack.
0: Yeah, that's doing some things. Um,
1: Could you imagine if they could run
0: to the lake, though? Oh, dude, they'd catch huge bags. Like, stupid insane. cow clemson would have caught like 25 pounds but oh. here's the thing about running to the lake smallmouth released in the bay of Quinte cannot get back to the lake because of the lake the bay is essentially z-shaped they get confused and they don't know how to swim back out so canada doesn't let events that launch in the bay of Quinte actually right. run to the lake it's a conservation thing
1: hmm It's, uh, although they're like kind of on the leading edge of smallmouth research, which I don't, did we mention that Bay of Quinte is on Lake Ontario? Should we, if anyone's curious. We did, we did now. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure there's probably someone thinking like, do what now? Bay of what? Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: It's on Lake Ontario. Uh, but it's like kind of a, it's like large mouthy and also it's got some smallmouths in it. It's got some grass, a little current flow. Um, not as much current as, like, Thousand Islands or something like that. Yeah. But it's definitely got some movement to it.
1: Look, and the point is, with the Elite Series on the St. Lawrence River, they can't fish the lake. The FLW Cup guys can't fish the lake. If you're over there, you should go fish the lake.
0: Yeah, that'd uh, be the deal. <laughs>
1: I mean, how what are you like, doing this weekend? <laughs> let's. We're going to Lake Ontario.
0: That's, there we go. <laughs> I was man. I was thinking about driving up to St. Clair this weekend. I was thinking I might take tomorrow off and just drive up and fish for like a day and a half, and then just get back really late Sunday night, and then drive to the Potomac on Tuesday. Oh, I think I shit. might. That might be like a little bit of a stretch for my capabilities and want to, but boy, I got excited To thinking about smallmouths. I don't blame you. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that's my uh, current current thoughts. I would say. Word, and I guess with that uh, FLW Canada Cup recap, day one weigh-in recap uh, before <laughs> the weigh-in is over, um, I guess that'll about to do it. Would you say?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think so. I think it was a good run this week.
0: All right, well, folks, if you have any more uh, questions, comments, concerns, you want to talk FLW Cup anymore? If there's even someone from the cup that like you really want on, I don't care if they're in the top ten. Um, you're yeah, like, Man, I want to know what happened that made here. Cup. Yeah, uh, let us know and we'll make it happen because it's the FLW Cup. It's important. We want to cover this thing uh, to the utmost. And uh, I guess uh, we got an email for that, right, Kyle?
1: We absolutely do. Hit us up, podcast at FLWFishing.com.
0: All right. Hey, I want to real quick play a tackle warehouse game with you. This is like a surprise edition for folks who Ooh, made it this far. Okay. Oh, gosh. Let me... Um, I texted it to you, and this is like a part of a review, okay? Oh, yeah. Uh, I texted these to you yesterday. I assume that you did not pre-read these things, or go look these up?
1: No. I just, I read them uh, in the text and didn't uh, didn't think anything of it.
0: All right. Well, here's the beautiful thing. Uh, currently... My phone is refusing to uh, bring up my old texts. Ah, here we here we go. Um. Okay, here we go. Here, this is a. I got it. I got it. Um. This is both of these baits, and I'm gonna start with one, and we can do the other if we're feeling it. Uh, both of these baits are related to the FLW Cup in some way. Uh, not necessarily that they were used in the cup, but either. They have something to do with an angler or something to do with an overall technique, okay?
1: Okay, okay.
0: Um, First time using these, Carolina rigged, and they may be my new favorite bait. They have a unique scent that resembles chocolate and seems to draw fish in. At seven bucks for only six, I was feeling some buyer's remorse, but soon realized they were well worth it. First fish came in 15 minutes and was just over five pounds which is a pretty solid fish for DE Delaware, I assume. Uh, and that was just the start. Caught five more quality fish in three hours, and for the lake I was on, that never happens. They're pretty durable. Only went through two worms for six fish, and with Mendit, I'll be able to keep using them. Just be careful, because it'll choke them if you're not paying attention. Hmm. This is a soft bait, obviously. I I, I uh, figured. It's actually a worm <laughs> of some sort.
1: Ah. Uh
0: man how you gotta be thinking about that unique chocolate scent
1: yeah that's what that's what kind of threw me out unique chocolate scent i know chocolate (laughs) uh (laughs) like i i immediately go to strike king with a coffee scent and then i'm like does it smell like chocolate i'm smelling a bag of zoom worms
0: right now they don't smell like chocolate
1: yeah is it like, uh, man? Is it like a, is it like a man's jelly worm?
0: No, that'd be jelly. <laughs> It'd be like a raspberry scent or something. Could like be, that. could be chocolate flavored jelly. Could be. Could uh, be. Is it a robo worm of some sort? No, it is not. Dang.
1: Man, the, I'm see. I'm getting too stuck on the chocolate. It's what's
0: the chocolate is a great way to
1: throw you off. Yeah, I I'm it. Gonna it admit. it's such an odd, like, so does this guy really think it smells like chocolate? Does it actually smell like chocolate? Um, man. Uh, oh, is it that Mr. Twister thing that Clint went on? No, it is not. Oh. That was me trying to tie in cup-related things. Mm-hmm.
0: This year's cup, and really, honestly, the relation to the cup it has is that it's a worm. Right, and you could throw it in a brush pile. Yeah. Hypothetically. Oh gosh. How much were they? Uh Well, let's see. The dude in the review says they are 7 bucks, when on the website they are 6.99. Hmm.
1: I was going to try thinking like weird uh it's not some googan thing, is it? Oh, god no. Okay.
0: No, 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 okay, no. Good. no this is a this is uh, a bait that might actually catch fish man I nobody come after me i didn't
1: mean it <laughs> I <believe whatever> <laughs> settle down me, settle down uh is it a maxent thing kyle you are on the right track oh they have a couple worms i don't have now oh, i gotta get over my time that reminds else. me
0: i gotta get some more generals
1: are they? Uh, let's see. Is it the king Tail worm?
0: It is the kingtail
1: worm, Kyle. Uh oh. um, oh. yeah. I just start thinking about like what baits have weird, like scents to them. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I don't ever really think I've smelled max scent, but maybe it smells like chocolate. Dude, I should go out to the truck
0: right now and smell some, and come back and let you know. I don't think it smells like <laughs> chocolate, though. Like, I've smelled them a lot, and I do not get a chocolate vibe.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've fished with them a lot. I, I, I never, that wasn't that wouldn't even be remotely close to the first thing I would think of. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read two reviews for this next
0: bait. Um, okay. Hands down, best topwater lure available. Ten times better than a Vixen and Paycheck Repo Baits by far. Whoa. Paint jobs hold up better, they're louder, and they're only 12 bucks. Best kept secret. Okay. The next review. Good walking lure that makes a lot of noise and throws a lot of water. i found that adding a split ring kills the action and makes it harder to walk.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so what not to do from Cameron in Newport News, Virginia. Cameron, yeah, I appreciate
1: okay. <laughs> Don't do that. Duly noted. Uh... I mean, this is a topwater that walks, but it's harder to walk if you put a split ring on it. I'm going to, just because we're thinking cup and stuff, I'm going to go Domeki Rambler. Boom. Really? Yeah. No way. I told you I'd do the
0: cup. And, you know, what has more to do with the cup than Domeki, which is Brian Thrift, basically.
1: Yeah. So, okay, I can throw it. It's better than a Vixen uh, or uh, the Paycheck uh repo doohickey.
0: Let me read uh, another review from it too.
1: But if I put a split ring on it, it's just it it all goes to hell.
0: Yeah. Uh another review is I bought this on a recommendation from a friend who also happens to be a pro staff for Demicky. His words were, check out the Rambler, it's pretty sweet. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not a good lure. <laughs> it's just that in my <laughs> opinion it walks very lazy. Uh I've definitely gotten attention while throwing it but I've never hooked a fish on it when Mm -hmm. I first... (laughs) So, anyway, (laughs) it's kind of a long... uh... Ooh, if I were to describe the difference between this and a spook, it would be that the walk of the rambler resembles that of a person walking a tightrope, a tightrope, whereas the walk of a spook resembles that of a man who had just been on a horse for about five hours. Huh? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) what? (laughs) Anyway, I don't really... I don't really have a point of reference for either of those things, to be honest. Uh, but oh gosh,
1: I love the review and those those were some pretty juice reviews. I like that.
0: Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring them up because they were such good. Yeah, reviews. thank you, thank also, you. Also, side note, I would say look forward to a new crankbait from Demiki in the coming months ish. Uh, ah. that could be pretty good. Um, you heard it here first, ish.
1: Breaking news, ish.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have a, I don't know what the name is or anything, but it's like a square bill, and Brian Thrift likes them, so that's good enough for me. Yep. Uh but he had like three of them, and two of them didn't run right at all, and one of them ran great. It was like beautiful, and so anyway, there's definitely some kind of some tweaks to be made. Aha. Uh-huh there you go I tell you what though when I watch Brian Thrift bust out a pair of pliers and start tuning a crankbait I was like oh my god I can't believe I'm seeing this ah oh, that's was, super cool it was like oh dude this is amazing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh man I've started to fangirl even more about Brian Thrift the more time I spend around him and the more time I watch him fish it's bad right it's like it's going the opposite direction of what it should. I should be just more yeah. and more chill, and now I'm like, "Ooh, what are you doing, Brian?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, he's so good. Um, but anyhow, we told we said we got an email. Uh, folks yep, can watch yep. varsity bass at some of our social media channels or flwfishing.com. Uh, Kyle, you are Kyle Lumber on Instagram. I'm Jody Blanco on Instagram, and guess that pretty much does it
1: i think it does man um safe travels to the north country next week uh we will chat sometime then uh everyone else get out and go fishing see ya